Well, glory. Thank you. Thank you for singing that. He don't always do request. I remember a time that we were traveling with Brother Hagen, and um, we would be riding in the car, and uh, we would drive along, and we'd be going to the meetings, and he would do a special song like that. Some of you may remember before. How many of you remember always before Brother Hagen would get up? He'd sing, and so we'd be going along, and he'd be trying to decide what song he's going to sing, and I'd lean over in his ear, because I knew he wouldn't do it if I just asked him, because he'd already told me that years and years before, so I'd lean over in his ear, and I'd say, the Holy Ghost says, sing this song tonight. Didn't get much further with that either. So Brother Hagen fixed me up. He'd get up there in front of the whole crowd and he'd say, Your wife is not the Holy Ghost either. (laughs) You know, so they didn't, neither one of them helped me out. He didn't sing my songs and Brother Hagen corrected me, so I didn't get real far. So anyway, we're going to teach about some of that tonight. (laughs) Your your wife is not the Holy Ghost. Yeah, so uh, hallelujah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, let's pray, though, before we get into all that glorious stuff tonight (laughs) and ask the Lord to help us. Father, here we are tonight in your presence and standing before you, Father. And we just ask that your anointing be upon each and every one of us in here tonight, Father, that we all have ears to hear. I have ears to hear what you want me to say, Father, and we all have ears to hear what we need to hear to change and to do, Father, from your word, and that we'll all put it into practice as we hear it, Father, that we won't be forgetful hearers of what we hear, but we'll be doers of what we hear, Father, because we want to glorify you, Father, in everything that we do and everything that we say. So, Father, I just ask you to give me the things that would be the most beneficial and the most helpful to each and every person that's under the sound of our voice tonight, Father, that would help them to make it through another day and another year and another time that they need to do the things that you've called them to do. Father, I ask you for your anointing tonight on everyone in here to hear and to receive what we have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated. Well, tonight is going to be a fun night. I can tell you it's going to be fun because I'm not going to preach or teach all night. Nor is Keith. So you're saying, well, what's going to look at you? You're looking at me like, what is she talking about? Well, about two weeks ago. I actually was praying about what we needed to do. And um, the Lord told me some things that would be real beneficial for us and some ways to do some things. So we're going to do some of those things tonight. But before we do, I thought it would be real good, since Keith said that men are such detailed people. (laughs) But, you know, I, I will not correct him about saying that, but it does depend on what you're talking about as to if they are detailed or not. Look at all the women shaking their heads. Is that correct or not? Yes, it's definitely that way. Now, if you begin to talk about airplanes or motorcycles, is that correct? 
they can get pretty detailed. Look at, look at all the women. They're going, yes, yes, yes. It just depends on what you're talking about. Now, uh, if it's talking about, talking about the services or where he went, you know, uh, maybe not so detailed. But, um, they can be detailed. So, uh, but I'll be a little detailed and tell you a little bit about Keith and I and, and where we came from and, and how we got here and, um, the miracles that have happened to get us here. Yeah, because some of you may not know. Keith and I um, met. The youth always like to hear these stories. They make me tell them to them. And um, they're, they're a good group. Uh, we've got, I'm, I know uh, you're not supposed to be prejudiced, but I think I am. We've got some of the best youth in the whole wide world. And um, I think we do. I think we do. And so uh, they always like to hear the stories about how Keith and I met and um, how we got together and stuff. So I tell them, and, and uh, uh, they say, it and um, what about it? And so I told them we were going to the zoo on the school bus as a class. That's how young we were when we met. And Keith told you last night what attracted him to me. Well, this is what attracted me to him. He was cute, yes. You can tell that. (laughs) But that wasn't it. We were on the school bus, and all the other little boys, and I did say little boys, because I think we were probably like in between 6th and 7th grade, something like that. Very young. And all the other little boys took their coats and threw them on the floor, wadded them up and stuffed them in the corner. And Keith took his denim jacket and ever so neatly took it off and folded it and laid it across his leg. And I said, that is the man I am going to marry. And he's always been that way. I mean, he can get down and look underneath a car to see if something's wrong with it and never kneel on a knee. I, I can't figure that out because he's looking and uh, he squats and, and I still can't figure it out. If it was me, I'd be underneath the car and I'd have grease from head to toe. But he still can do that. And he's always been very, very careful with his clothes. And, and I know one time we were at this church and, and this guy got his coat and, and he took it and... Uh, we were going to go into the service, and he took his coat, and he's kind of crinkled up the whole collar of it and rubbed it up against the side of the truck, you know, and it, the truck was dirty, you know, and Keith just, I could just see his face. It was like, <laughs> but he didn't say anything because people are just disrespectful with their things, you know, because they think that's the way you are, that's the way they are, you know, but he's always been that way with his, with his clothes, and I thought, that's my man. And so uh, that's how we met, junior high. Yeah. And uh, we broke up for a long time one night. (laughs) And um, that was it. And um, we have just always been together. We grew up together, and we got married. And um, then when we got married, we found out, we did not have a clue about marriage. So you can't tell me that you can know somebody and still your marriage can't have trouble. 
because we knew each other. I mean, we knew everything about each other, but you can still have trouble because uh, in any area that there is, we found out how to have trouble in it. Uh, finances, we were broke. So if you're going to fight about money, we figured out that you're broke, so you're going to fight about finances. And if you're going to fight because one makes money and the other one don't, well, God didn't have anything to do with it, but the devil sure figured out a way to do it, that I was the one bringing home the money, and he was working at healing school, so the devil figured out, oh, we can get in there big time with that. So there was a big fight waiting to happen. And spiritual things, I was unyielding. Yeah. And that was a mild part of it. That was a, a, a mild part of it. He was serving God and I was serving money. Yeah. I was going to work and let him serve God if he wanted to. What's the point? I wanted things. Go ahead. You serve God and I'll serve things. And then comes this thing he talked about last night a little bit. The physical. Yeah, I got up to, um, what, 60 plus pounds overweight? One of my good friends is here. She knew me, Candice. We've been friends for, what, 25 plus years? Yeah, long time. And uh, she knew me when, bless her heart. And um, I weighed... um, Close to 200 pounds. And uh, he asked me till he got tired of asking for me to lose weight. And I was one of those people that said, if you love me, you'd like me the way I am. You never said that. And uh, so we had fun with that issue for years and 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 years. And years and years. (laughs) Till it got to the point to where I didn't even want to be around him or anything to do with the ministry. So I had the money issue and the weight issue to where I didn't want to be around the ministry. And serving God. And then we came up to this thing that was called, um, I think it starts with an S. (laughs) I don't even like to say it. It was called a uh, 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 sub sporting. sporting, yeah. <laughs> 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 
we could change it. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite. We wasn't doing much sporting then. No. I was, you remember, 200 pounds and, and um, not, um, you, you remember Mom Hagen had to even correct me. You remember that story he told last night, you know. And um, I was a bit, just a teeny bit, rebellious. <laughs> a wee bit rebellious. And uh, they gave him a course at Ramah. And the title of it was Submission and Authority. And somewhere in that Submission and Authority comes this thing called Wives Submit. Go figure. You know, and then you're supposed to be an example of that? Yeah, duh. Not happening. You're the preacher, I'm the moneymaker. You stay on your side. Like, what did he say last night? Dave was in here because I said, uh, you go to your corner and I'll go to mine. Isn't that how he said it? Yeah, okay. So that's pretty much what we did for years. And so we figured out all the things that could go wrong in a marriage and all the things that you shouldn't do in a marriage And we got to a point to where we were not having any fun at all. Matter of fact, we went beyond fun. And you know how in finances, you can go, you can get to broke. Then you can go beyond broke. And you can kind of get underneath the barrel and you can owe everybody And you can go the opposite side of broke and owe every creditor and every credit card. And you can have a major deficit in your life with your finances. Well, that's where we were with our marriage. We were beyond not having fun. We were at the deficit side of it. Yeah. Because everything that he was living for, I wanted no part of. And when we'd go to services and and people would get down on their knees and they'd say, Oh, God... I commit my life to you and I commit everything I am to you and I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'd kneel down next to him and say, I'll never say that. I don't want no part of this. Is he looking? That's what I'd say. Because I didn't. Because I knew that he had a call on his life. And I knew we were going to have to serve God. And I just didn't. Because I knew it was going to involve all that submitting stuff. And I wasn't there. And didn't want to be there. But I was getting my way all the time. And our church people have heard me say this. And all the time I was getting my way, I was miserable. And I was hurting. But there was never a time... In all those times, never a moment that I didn't love Keith. And that's what I couldn't figure out. There's a fine, fine line between love 
and hate. And that's what people don't understand. There's a fine line between your flesh loving somebody and hating somebody. Because all the time that I was thinking I was so mad at him, I couldn't stay in the same room with him, I was thinking, I wish he'd just hold me and hug me and just kiss me and we could just make up and this all be gone away with. The same person that I really felt like I hated, I wanted to hug me. Now how can that be? Because we are spirits, we're not fleshes. So, therefore, if you can have that in your spirit, that means it can all be good again. Because that's just your flesh feeling that way. And it can change like the sunshine and the dark. So tonight, what we have decided to do, what the Holy Ghost has led us to do, is to put together some scenarios that the Holy Ghost led us to do with the help of our youth group. And I went to them a week and a half ago in youth group, and I asked them, this is how I approached them. I said, this is how wonderful they are. I said, uh, guys, in thinking about the marriage meeting, there's something that the Lord has laid up on my heart And before I tell you what it is, I'd like to know how many of you would be willing to help me with it. Now, it's going to require an enormous amount of your time. And you're going to have to be really faithful to your word to do this. And you're going to have to stick to it. And it ain't going to be any wishy-washying around how many of you will be willing to do it. And all of them who did not have commitments that they could not do it stood up. And they have not changed since. They have been very, very... They did not have a clue what it was. And they've not changed since. And you will see what happens. Now, in doing this, you will see that we have one character. Not really a character, but in this, we'll call him a character. That we are using to symbolize the Holy Spirit. Now, we all know that... Look at this scripture with me before we, we do that. John 14, 16. Actually, you can just look at it on the board if you want to in the King James. And you don't even have to pull it out. Because tonight it will be kind of difficult in, in some parts of it to even see your Bible. So imagine that. 14, 16. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. And verse 17. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him. But you know him. For he dwelleth with you. And shall be in you. 
So where is the Holy Spirit? He lives in us. Correct? Well, now you'll see tonight that it would be real difficult for us to put the Holy Spirit inside each one of these people. Now, I don't really know how God does that. And when I get to heaven, because I know the Holy Spirit is a person. And I don't really know how another person is living inside of Kim. Do you know how? But I don't know this too. I don't know how, Brother Hagen used to say this, a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk and you churn it and it make yellow butter. But I sure don't mind putting that yellow butter on those fresh croissants, Miss Diane, it gives me, and eating it. So as you see these things tonight, you will see what I'm talking about. And I would like for you to know that these kids, these youth, helped me to come up with these scenarios and scenes and immediately ad-libbed them and helped us to come up with the lines in them. So if you think you see yourself in them, I did not do all of them. Okay? So uh, watch these skits as they begin to do them, and you'll see that the Holy Ghost is presently always trying to minister to us. Over the last several times that I've ministered here at the church, it's been really, really strong on my heart as to what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives. And I think we have neglected giving Him His place always to show us what we are to do. Now, they're going to, uh, you'll have to kind of pay attention to me and not them for a little bit. So, because the curtain can't come down and do all the things that they need it to do. So, the Holy Spirit is here to lead us, to guide us, and to show us all the things that we're to do. But if we neglect Him, then we can't accomplish the things that we need to accomplish and we'll be left on the roadside, like Keith says, of despair. So, uh, Guys, y'all have to let me know when y'all are ready. To t- tell me from the sound booth in the back or something. It doesn't take them long to get ready for a skit. I know that. So, Dave, are they ready? You are ready. All right. Finally, we're leaving. I know, I can't wait to get there. This is the last day of Belk's big sale in Branson, and we're gonna we're only going to have two hours to shop. Yeah, and Belk is the only place that has those shoes I've been wanting. Check the oil and the tires before you leave. What are you doing? I just feel like I should check the oil and the tires in the car before we go. Didn't you do that already? I did a few days ago, but I just feel like it's really important, so if I can do it again, it'll just take a minute. So. We're going to hit rush hour, and we're never going to have any time Dad, to shop. I have yep. to get those shoes. I know that, but this will take a minute, and we'll check it and be on the way. It's fine. You always do this. You're always like, 
What's, Let me do this. I have to do this. Deal? Why don't you ever plan Why ahead? No. Just, just get in the car, okay? I'm tired of it. Finally, we're leaving. I know I can't wait to get there. You, and you know, today's the last big sale at Belk's. I only have two hours to shop. And Belk's is the only place that carries those shoes I've been saving up for. Check the oil in the tires before you leave. What are you doing? Uh, but didn't you already do that already? Yeah, but I really feel like I need to do that before. No, wait. If we don't leave now, we're going to hit rush hour, and we, we don't have enough time to shop. And I have to have those shoes, Dad. No, I understand. I want you to get there just as much as you want to get there, but it'll just take a second, so wait for me. Looks like we're about two quarts low on oil and the uh, right front tire looks a little soft. We'll have to stop by the gas station before we get going. Are you kidding me? We're going to be late! I can't do anything about that now. This is all your fault. Th my fault? Are you serious? This is my fault? How Calm down. How can this be my fault when you wouldn't let me check this earlier? Why don't you ever be a man? You, you're supposed to know so much about cars. No, no. Don't even start with me, okay? I know enough. Let me tell you something else. You see this car? This car right here. It's useless to us now. You know why? Come on. Come on. Yes. Because you're stupid? Wrong! The engine is blown! Here, looks like you only have about an hour to shop, but at least you made it, right? Right. I am so thankful we're not those people on the side of the road. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you should apologize for acting that way earlier. Um, honey, I'm sorry for being pushy earlier. Yeah, I'm sorry too, Dad. Oh, it's okay. We all miss it sometimes. But, uh, here's a little extra money. Why don't you get yourself something nice today? Thank you. <laughs> Well, what do you think about that? Well, that's one of our, that's our first scenario that we wanted to talk to you about. And every time I look at that scenario, I don't know how many of you remember the story of Moses and Zipporah in the Old Testament. 
But I think about that story, and I think about when Moses had all those things that were standing before him, and he was supposed to be going to uh, do all the things that... Just turn there with me for just a minute. Turn to Exodus. And I know you turn up some lights just for a second, guys, before you do this next scenario, and so they can see this. Exodus 4. And verse 22. Moses is having to go before the Pharaoh. And it says, um, And thou shalt say unto the Pharaoh, Now, is he, is Moses already, just think back about some of the things about him. Did he feel secure in himself to start with? Absolutely not. Do you think it would have helped Moses to have a wife that believed in him? Could it have helped him be a little bit more secure? Okay, look at this. And thou shalt say unto the Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him. Met who? Met Moses. And sought to kill him. Now he sought to kill him. Because he had not obeyed him. Read the next verse. Then Zipporah, which is Moses' wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. Now, in reading my Bible, I read and I read and I read and I read chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. No more Zipporah until chapter 18. Now, if you... We'll take just a minute and look at your Bible. It may be segmented like mine. And I got to thinking, I love my husband. And now that I've repented and and quit being so stinking rebellious, I love the ministry and the things of the ministry. And seeing the miracles and the wonderful things that God has done for us in the ministry, I wouldn't take for anything. And I look back and I think, What if I had not have changed and continued to be a rebellious wife? What would we have missed out on? What could? I wouldn't even know all the things that I had missed out on. But look at some of the things that she missed out on. She missed out on seeing all the things that happened with the plagues, with the frogs, with the blood in the water, with the gnats, with the flies, with the hail, with the livestock, um, with the locust. I mean, she missed out on all these miracles that her husband was a part of. She missed out on all the miracles that God did with her husband. 
Why? She wasn't supportive. Because she was like I was. And so if you just keep turning, you don't see anything about her until chapter 18. I mean, you, even the feeding of the quail and the manna, she missed out on every bit of that. All the way up to chapter 18, till Jethro brings her back to Moses. Now, they named this skit, this particular scenario. I didn't, I didn't even name it, but some of the people working on it named it. And I thought it was very appropriate. No leader, no submission. And did you see that in that? When Taylor and Sarah were in the car, and he just said, oh, I'm tired of hearing this. And they just got in the car and they left and then their car broke down. Is it easy to sway someone out of hearing from God and just overriding what they have in their heart? Or can you be supportive and make it easier for someone to follow the leadings of the Lord? It's real easy to be uh, a person that yields to the devil and makes it hard for another person, whether it is the husband or the wife, to not follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit that they have inside of them because of you not being right with the Lord and you wanting other things like I wanted to do the things in the world. And so therefore, what happened to them? They didn't follow the leadings of the Lord and their car is on the side of the road. So now their engine is down. So now they're broke. Now they've opened the door to the devil and lost their finances. And I don't know if you caught this scenario though, but the other guys had extra money to spend and they don't have to buy an engine. So guys, you can turn your lights down and start on your next set. While I start going on the other. Um, Galatians 5 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And the Amplified, it says, If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Um, If we live by the Holy Spirit, we have our life in God. Let us go forward, walking in line and our conduct controlled by the Spirit. Let us not be vainglorious and self-conceited, competitive, challenging and provoking and irritating one another, envying and being jealous of one another. Ephesians 5.22, this is the part that most women don't like, but it's, it's a part that we need to see. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, the Message Bible puts it this way. It says, the husband provides leadership to his wife. 
the way Christ does to the church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Now, I call them the newly leds. Because they're learning to be led. The second couple were the newly leds. That wife was listening to him. She didn't like it, but she was following the leadership of her husband. She didn't care for it, and she thought she was going to miss out on her shoes or the other things in the shopping. But in following the leadership that her husband set before her, she not only didn't have to buy an engine for her car and might get another pair of shoes sometime, but they were not sitting on the roadside of despair with an engine blown out in their car because they were listening to the Holy Spirit. So it pays. If our husbands, if we follow the channels that God has set for us and the way that God has set it up, like Keith said last night, as Christ in the church, if we follow it the way that God set it up, that the husband is the head of the wife, but the husband is getting his direction from the Lord properly, then we will all be being led in the right way. He wasn't just trying to check the oil and the tires because he wanted to stall her out from going shopping. He was doing it because he felt like he didn't want to be sitting on the roadside fanning himself like that other family was doing it. So are you guys ready for the next set? All right. What are you doing? I thought we were going to the mall. What are you doing here? I thought I told you to stay in the car. What are you doing with Dad's money? It's not Dad's money. I mean, I'm just borrowing it. I'm getting the car. Fine.
Hey, where's the money at? What money? The money I put in my sock drawer. We need that for the mortgage payment this month. I have no idea what you're talking about. Why don't you ask your daughter? Are these new? No, I've had these dresses. I've had these. You're lying. The tags are still on them. You went shopping at the most expensive store in this town with the money we need for the house? That wasn't your money. I apologize. Well, if you would make, make more money, right. we wouldn't have to use your savings for bills. More money. That's all you ever care about. You're always buying stuff for you. Take the dresses back. I am not taking these back, okay? I deserve them for all the stuff I put up with from you. Take them back. No! Money. What money? The money I put in my sock drawer. We need it for the mortgage payment this month. Well, I, um... Are those new? Maybe. Maybe the tags are still on them. You went shopping at the most expensive store in town with the money we need for our house? That wasn't your money. I apologize and offer to make things right. Yes, I took the money. I'm sorry, it wasn't mine. We really have to have that money. Take the dresses back. I can take the dresses back to the store. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll drive. <laughs> Don't you know he will drive? <laughs> yeah, he'll check the oil too. <laughs> well, when we were when we were setting these scenes up, I asked the youth. You know, um, I didn't have all the ideas. I just knew that we were supposed to do this, and. Um, I have to tell you, um, the number one scenario that they brought up, they called it secret spending. And um, they said it's a problem in their families that uh, one of the, the people are, are spending and stuff and um, the other one doesn't know about it and, and we won't say which party it mostly is, but, but um, this is what comes to mind with me. And... Um, Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. And I'm just going to read the first part of it in the King James. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She'll do him good and not evil all the days of her life. The Amplified says, the heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on her and believes in her securely so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. She comforts and encourages and does him only good as long as there is life within her. And then the Message Bible says, A good woman is hard to find. And her worth far above diamonds. Her husband trusts in her without reserve. And never has a reason to regret it. Never spiteful. She treats him generously all her long life. 
And something comes to my mind when I think about this, and it's not just women. I'm reading this because I'm a woman, and that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And I know that tomorrow night Keith is going to be talking to the men, but I know that that men have a problem with it too. And it's like a spike game that goes back and forth. We've seen it over and over and over again. The women spend something, then the men feel like, well, she spent that, then I can go out and spend this. Well, she spent this, now I can go buy me this. And and what happens is you see families that get further and further and further and further in debt, and they don't have the money to pay for it. And it's like, we deserve it. And instead of paying the bills that they have, they wind up buying things for themselves instead of listening to the Holy Spirit tell them not to do that and pay off what they have. We here at the church are constantly saying we're out of debt and, you know, we have seed to sow. Well, what happens is that the Holy Ghost is telling you not to buy that. You're there in the store and the Holy Spirit is saying, don't buy this, put that on that payment or pay off your car or pay this off. But people override that. And they get themselves in messes. And not only that, but what happens is then they build walls up between their spouses. And maybe the husband doesn't walk in and find out about it immediately. But there's a wall there. And I taught on it last year. And the more walls there are between you and your spouse is more distance between you and them. And they may not know that you spent that money. But there's still distance there because you know it. Because condemnation is there inside of you. And that's something you can't override. Keith has a saying, you can't be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. You heard that lady, well, Josie, I'll call her by her name. Josie said, I deserve it for all I put up with out of you. There's a lot of people that feel like they deserve certain things. And most of the time, if we wait on God, it takes longer than what we always seem like we want it to take. But when we get it in His time, it's the right time and the right way. In Romans it says... Romans 12, 3, and I know it's hard for you to read your Bibles or take notes, and that's what I told you from the beginning, but just listen to these. Sometimes it's good just to hear things and get them into your spirit anyway. For I say through the grace given unto me that every man among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now that's something... That is the cause of people going out and stealing money or taking money from the sock drawer. Is because they do not feel that they will get it any other way. They don't believe that they have enough faith or that they will get it if they just stand and believe for it. They believe that the only way that they will get it is by stealing it or taking what they shouldn't be spending and going getting it. They don't use their measure of faith that God has dealt to them and begin to grow in their faith. They have no faith where that's concerned. 
you must start in your faith at the $5 level, at the $10 level. No one started getting uh, new cars that didn't start with $5 or $10 or, or, or $50. You must start where your faith is at the measure of faith that you have. Believing for someone to give you that new blouse. And it's a joy. Oftentimes, in the youth group, it is the most wonderful thing. They'll come in and tell, I didn't tell anybody, and I was believing for these new tennis shoes, and someone from here came and gave me these shoes. Well, that is so much better than them going and stealing the money or or taking the money. And getting the shoes. Well, it's the same thing with us. You've got to start where you are. But what happens is, it's not as embarrassing for a young person to be believing God for a pair of tennis shoes. But as you get older and you sit in big church with your tie on, you're supposed to be further along than that. And you don't want anybody to know that you still can't believe God for a pair of tennis shoes. But you know what? You are where you are. And you'll never get to the car or you'll never get to the house unless you start with the tennis shoes. And you'll always be stealing from the the house account or the car payment or the money grocery store. And let me tell you how I know. Because you know I told you we were broke. And that was something that I used to do. That was a sore thorn and oh in Keith's side. We didn't have the money to pay the bills. But I was there. I was that woman. That would just get sick and tired of never having anything. We were going to all these meetings. Everybody else was dressed up. They had nice clothes on. And Keith is a teacher. And everybody's looking and we're sitting on the front. And I didn't have nice clothes to wear. We came out of a trailer that the in the wintertime, it was so bad that the water froze in the toilet in the wintertime. And the oven didn't work. And the stove didn't work. We were poor. And we went straight from that to Ramah. And it wasn't but a couple of years till Keith was teaching there. And we were expected to be on the same level as everybody else. And everybody is looking. And he's on the platform. And he don't have a suit fit to get on the platform. And it's not fun to have people looking at you when you don't have clothes to wear. And you come to church and somebody's got something nicer than you've got. But you will never get where God wants you if you don't do it his way. 
The reason I know is because I did that. I would take money that we needed for bill money or that we needed for gas money. And I would spend it and I would overspend. And Keith and his kind-heartedness, he'd look at me. After he got upset, I'm sure, he'd walk away. But he'd come back to me and he'd say, Phil, don't quit. One day, we're going to get to a point where you're going to have your own checking account. That you can do and spend what you can buy whatever you want to buy with it. You can spend every dime of it on hats if you want to. But you can't do this this way. Because we'll go under this way. Because this is not God's plan for us. You must decide if you're going to do it your way and let your pride dominate you or you're actually going to try to do it God's way and wear that same suit up in front of the whole world and alternate it every other week, every other night, I mean, on the platform. I wasn't just concerned about myself. I was concerned about him up in front of everybody. It wasn't that I was trying to be selfish for me. But it's still pride. Secret spending will destroy your marriage. Spending more at the grocery store, trying to juggle the checkbook... And saying, I spent it on this when I spent it on that. It's not God's plan. And it'll eat your marriage alive. Take it from somebody who knows. Make the adjustments. Use this measure of faith that God has given you. Look it up. Use the measure of faith. Luke 16 says... Verse 12, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you your own? Doesn't matter if it's your husband's or if it's the light bill companies or the mortgage companies. If you made a commitment to them to pay that to them, that really belongs to them and not to the shoe store. Because you made a covenant with them to pay that. Enough said. Y'all ready for the next, next skit, I'm sure. So. Hey, Mom, can I borrow the car tonight? All right. Just make sure you're home by curfew. And please call me sometime while you're out. All right. 
Hey, Mom, can I borrow the car tonight? Sure, just be home by curfew, and please call me sometime while you're out. Okay. Hey, Mom, can I borrow the car again tonight? I'm supposed to drive the guys to practice. Borrow the car? Borrow the car? Do you even remember the last time I let you borrow the car? Yeah, last night. Yeah, that's right, last night. How late did you get home? I don't know, late. When is your curfew? 11. You came home at 11.50. Why didn't you call me? I told you to call me. My phone died. Oh, your phone died. Your phone never dies when you're talking to your stupid little friends. Don't you have enough sense to know where to charge your phone? And you could have just borrowed a friend anyway. Okay, next time I'll call you. Good, and what about the money you stole out of my purse? I didn't steal it, I borrowed it for gas, I'll pay you back. Oh, and how are you gonna do that? I got a job like you said. And what is it, pickpocketing with your stupid little friends? You can't even keep up with the job. Don't bring that up, this isn't the time. And your father couldn't even keep up with the job By the way, you keep bringing him up. Because you're just like him, he could never do anything right, and he was never here when we needed him. I won't be around either. Good! Hi, Mom. Can I borrow the car again tonight? It's my turn to take the guys to practice. Borrow the car? What did I tell you the last time I let you borrow the car? I don't know. What time is your curfew? I don't know. 11? What time did you come home last night? Late. It was almost an hour past your curfew. And why didn't you call me? My phone died. You could have used a friend's phone. And what about the money that was in my purse? I used it for gas. You usually pay for the gas. Besides, I got a job. I'll pay you back. That's not the point. You took money without my permission. I don't know if I can trust you to take the car out again. But mom, I gotta take the guys to practice tonight. Calm down. Give him an opportunity to build the trust back. Okay. I can let you use the car tonight. But there are a few conditions. Okay. I'm moving your curfew from 11 to 10 p.m. That still gives you plenty of time to get back, and you have to call me when you get to practice and when you leave practice to come home. Will you do that? Yes, ma'am. All right. Here's the keys, and I love you, so please charge your phone. Thanks, Mom. Well, racing cars. <laughs> these, these kids, when they came up with these skits and helped me come up with these, these scenarios, I think the one thing in dealing with them, and you'll see it in marriages a lot, I didn't want to leave this one out because you can't leave children out of families. Right. And... Um, I think one of the biggest scenarios that we see is parents coming down on the children's level, yelling and screaming with them. So many times, parents feel like, just like you saw uh, with Jackie and Andrew, the first scenario, 
she's just, he comes yelling, she's yelling. They're both yelling back and forth. And they're just losing their temper. There's no reasoning there. And parents immediately, whether they're tired or whether there's so much going on in their lives, they immediately resort to coming down to that child's level. You don't have to yell with that child because you're not that child's teen friend. And that's what happens so many times. It's become a yelling match between parents and children. And parents have have lost their place and don't realize their place anymore. I don't, as a leader over our staff, I don't have to yell at our staff and say, you have to go do this. I demand that you go do this. You have, Because I know my place. If I tell them, you need to do this, well, and they... They know not to yell back at me because it's fruitless. Well, it should be the same way with the children. They should realize if they yell, it's not going to get them anywhere. Matter of fact, it loses things for them. And you say, well, you don't have any children. You have no clue of what you're talking about. Well, we have little bits of clues of what we're talking about. We've, we've raised a few uh, of our staff, and we've pretty much the last several years had our niece. And uh, it just doesn't work to yell with them. And something even better than that, we have the Scripture. And it says in Proverbs 15:1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pour out foolishness. Proverbs 15.1 in the Message Bible says, A gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles a temper fire. Then Ephesians 6.4 says, You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The Amplified says, Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them up tenderly in training and discipline and counsel in the admonition of the Lord. In dealing with the youth for the last, I guess it's been four years, I would say the number one request that they have is that their parents would listen to them. And in hearing some of the scenarios that happen, I get amazed at where they are, that their parents won't listen to them in some of the scenarios. We have a time at the beginning when we sit there and truly respect and hear what they are saying. They have good ideas. But it's hard when you are around them to recognize the difference 
between them going from a child into becoming a young adult and knowing that their ideas could be good and beginning to do what you saw Amanda do at the end when the Holy Spirit said, give them another chance. And I think that's what needs to happen a lot of times is so many kids do not feel that their parents believe in them anymore. They have felt as though they are being taught continuously. And it's like, just exactly like with husbands and wives. You've heard the old saying about, I told you I loved you once, and if I change, I'll let you know. (laughs) Well, it's the same way with kids. We, in this society, have gotten so busy with our jobs and our routines and stuff. Dave won't mind me telling this, but he has a daughter. Him and Kim have a daughter, Ramsey. And he came to me one day, and we were talking. And we were talking about Ramsey. And he said that the Lord corrected him, or the Holy Spirit, the Lord corrected him. And I said, about what? He said, because I'm always teaching her. He said, I never quit. Now, she's 13 years old. And she probably needs a lot of teaching. He said, but I never just take her in my arms and lay down and say, how was your day? What happened today? He said, I'm always saying, Ramsey, pick up your clothes. Ramsey, do this. Ramsey, help your mother. Ramsey, you're late. Go do this. Ramsey. He said, it just became a constant teaching of something. Never a stop because I was busy and it was just spit this out. Do this. Spit this out. Do that. And you're constantly just doing this all the time. It never became a time to just lay back and let her share what was on her heart and not make her feel rushed while I was doing it. And he changed that and their relationship changed. Now, parents lose their kids when they become teens Because teens need to be able to talk to their parents. And this is what happens. They mess up one time. And we see it all the time. They're grounded for weeks and it goes from one grounding to the next grounding to the next grounding. It's just like never ending and parents are exasperated and kids are exasperated. You have to, at some point or another, figure out ways to begin to rebuild trust again. And sit down and and begin to do that. Love them. Don't always be teaching them. Or that will be provoking them and irritating them. All right. Ready, guys?
up, guys? You have a good weekend? Yeah, it was great. Did you see the Lakers game? Yeah. What a shot at the end. Yeah, that put them in the finals. How about you, Anna? How was your weekend? My weekend? My weekend was terrible. My husband and I, we just don't get along anymore, and we argue a lot. I'm sorry to hear that, but my break's up, and i got to check some emails. I hope it all works out, but I've got to go back to work. Hey, I'm sorry to hear about your husband. It seems like a pretty mean guy. It's not that he's a mean guy. It's just, it seems like he doesn't have time for me. I don't understand. You know, I'm with you eight hours a day, and I love spending time with you. Maybe we could get together sometime and talk about it over a cup of coffee or something. This isn't right. You know, that sounds good. It would be nice to have somebody to talk to. I used to have that same problem, but now I have kids. <laughs> so how was your weekend? My weekend? My weekend was terrible. My husband and I, we just don't seem to get along anymore, and we argue all the time. Too bad. I gotta get back to work, guys. Yeah, I hope that all works out for you, but my break's over. That doesn't sound like your husband's a very nice guy. Well, it's not that he's not a nice guy. He just, he's changed, and... He just doesn't seem to have very much time for me anymore. I don't understand that. I mean, I'm around you eight, hour day, eight hours a day, and I love it. But if you ever want to talk, you know I'm here. This isn't right. You know, I think I need to get back to work. Hey, CJ, have you seen Anna? Yeah, she's in her office. All right, thanks, man. Hey, Anna, you think if you get some time, you can uh, look these papers over? Sure. Oh, did you and your husband ever get that stuff worked out? No, it's the same thing. He's just too busy for me. Well, you know, I'm free after work today. If you want to get together and talk about it, we can go get some coffee or something. I think I will. Okay. You know this isn't right. You need to stop this now. Hey, honey, I'm going to be late coming home from work tonight. Okay, bye. All right, thanks. Hey, yourself. Brandy. Thanks. Here's those uh, papers you wanted. Oh, thank you. So how are you and your husband doing? We're doing better. I think we're going to be able to work it out. That's cool. Well, I'm still here for you if you ever want to hang out sometime. Um, that's okay. Actually, I'm going to be making dinner for my husband. You know, I thought it might give us more time to talk. Okay. Yes, here we are. Well, 
Everybody's quiet on that one. They didn't even clap. Well, I tell you, that one's a little too close to home for some people, I'm afraid. It's a scenario that's real. And um, as you can see, the Holy Spirit stood right there and said, Don't stop it now. And what did she do? She ignored it. And then the next thing is, you can see the scenario playing out. She went ahead and went for coffee. And said she stayed after work, which is a lie to her husband. And that's what happens with those kind of scenarios. They go hand in hand. Lying and cheating. And I'm turning my head sideways because that spot is kind of devastating in your eyes. But uh, um, affairs do not just happen. They don't just pop up one day and you're sitting here in church. And this person sitting here, Michelle's sitting here on the front row. And she don't see um, Richard here. And then all of a sudden, Michelle and Richard... Or tonight in bed together. Doesn't happen that way. It happens by sharing too much of your heart. Sharing too much of your life. And beginning to talk just like what was happening in these scenarios. Number one, Anna shouldn't have been going to work. Disclosing her personal life to her co-workers. About how bad of a man her husband was. That should have never happened. In all the years that Keith and I were having troubles in the beginning first part of our marriage, I never went to my office and disclosed that to anyone. It wasn't anyone's business. Because that is the open door for the devil to begin this stuff. It gives him a place in that he wouldn't have had. You exposing your heart to someone you don't know. It's like Keith said last night. Is you get naked in front of them. I put down on my papers about King David was a mighty man. King David was not stupid. I don't believe he was a stupid man. But he had choices to make. And he almost lost his whole kingdom because of a woman. A 
like Keith said last night, that pull is strong and it's real. And I think people kid themselves in thinking that they're stronger than they really are. I can play with this and it's not that big a deal. I'm stronger than this. And you're not. It's like I told our church people one Sunday, and some of you are, are in here will remember it. I don't drink. I'm not an alcoholic. I've never drank. I don't have a problem with drinking. But I do believe that if I were to today begin witnessing to people in bars every single day, and I went into these bars every single day, that after a month or so, maybe longer, I don't know how long, You might begin to see my clothes change the way I dress. Because I would begin to think, well, you know, in order to witness to them, I might need to look a little bit more like them. I might gather more of them. If I looked more like them, I might fit in better. And they might be more likely to talk to me. Then after that, you might see me sitting there at a bar talking to them, supposedly witnessing to them. And I'm drinking club soda. Time's going by. And I'm only witnessing going in once a week or so. But I want to do it more often because I'm beginning to like how it feels. And I want to go witness more and more and more. Because I like the crowd and I'm beginning to make friends with those people. There begins to be a pull. And you want to spend more and more and more time there. Why would that be? Because there are spirits there. And those spirits know if you hang there long enough... You'll become one of them. It's the same thing with this stuff. Joseph was right in running from his boss's wife and getting out of that situation. Listen to the Proverbs. I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible, 514. It says, Dear friend... Pay close attention to this, my wisdom. Listen very closely to the way I see it. Then you'll acquire a taste for good sense. What I tell you will keep you out of trouble. The lips of a seductive woman are oh so sweet. Her soft words are oh so smooth. But it won't be long before she's gravel in your mouth, a pain in your gut, a wound in your heart. She's dancing down the primrose path to death. She's headed straight for hell 
and taking you with her. She hasn't a clue about real life, about who she is or where she's going. So my friend, listen closely. Don't treat my words casually. Keep your distance from such a woman. Absolutely stay out of her neighborhood. You don't want to squander your wonderful life to waste, your precious life among the hard-hearted. Why should you allow strangers to take advantage of you? I have to throw this in right here. When we were teaching on this in youth and it was kept talking about the strange woman, the youth said, well, what if you know her? <laughs> Only youth. Why be exploited by those who care nothing for you? You don't want to end your life full of regrets, nothing but sin and bones. Saying, oh, why didn't I do what they told me to do? Why did I reject a disciplined life? Why didn't I listen to my mentors or take my teachers seriously? My life is ruined. I haven't one blessed thing to show for my life. That pretty much says it. Now you may say, well, Brother Keith was talking last night about that your wife should look the way that you want her to look. Or your husband should look the way you want him to look. And mine doesn't. So I have a right to have an affair. Well, let me told you something, honey. If anybody had a right to have an affair because their wife didn't look right, it would be my husband. Because year after year after year after year, I was well, way overweight. And you can't tell me you can't do it, because he did. And God is no respecter of persons. And if one person can do it, another person can do it. And you can't say, she ain't looking the way I want her to look, so I've got a right. Don't work that way. And she ain't doing what I want her to do, so I've got a right. Thank God my husband didn't believe that. Because we'd be divorced today, and we wouldn't have a church, and we wouldn't be here tonight. Most likely. There's never an excuse to yield to the devil. Now, the devil will give you lots of good reasons. And he'll put you in lots of good places and predicaments. But there's not a good excuse to ruin your life. Because it is the path to hell. Some translations say it will eat up your life and it will squander your healing. And it will eat up your bones and your flesh as I was reading it. There's not a good reason for it. 
And like I say, if one person can do it, another person can do it. Because God's no respecter of persons. Don't put yourself in situations that you're in these situations. When they start, immediately cut them off. And the Holy Ghost is there. And he is telling you all the while, don't do this. Don't cut him off. Listen to him and he will spare you time and time again. All right, guys, let's go with the next one. Hey, Mom, Dad, can I go over to my friend's house tonight after dinner? You haven't done your chores today. I can always do them tomorrow. Yeah, like that's gonna happen. Dude, you always say that and it never gets done. Plus, your grades are slipping. I talked to your English teacher today. You failed your test. You what? You do failed later. your English test? That explains to me what you're doing at your friend's house way past midnight, which is way past your curfew. We were studying, okay? Yes, dear, remember, we were the ones that told him he could go over there. Shut Calm up. Down. Don't tell me to shut no, up. No, because if he was studying, he wouldn't have failed his test. Hey, it's not my fault. It's my teacher. She's stupid. Oh, right, your teacher. She's stupid? You're the one who's stupid! Shut up! He's not stupid! He just needs more help. You're the one who's never home to help him out. Oh, so now it's my fault? I'm not home enough? That's fine, Barbie. That's real fine. You want to know what I do all day? Calm down. I work. You need to take that job at the grocery store. I work so that we can pay for that new car in the garage that you wanted. I work so that we can pay for this new house that you wanted. And I work so that we can pay for that kid Stop that yelling you at me! You're supposed to love me! Oh, stop yelling. Love you? If you would just listen to me and submit, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Son, how was school today? It was good. Football practice went great. Good. Did you get the report back on your science test? Yeah, but I didn't do very good. Well, what kind of grade was it? A C minus. Well, did you try your best? Yeah, I thought I would get a better grade. I was really disappointed. Well, next time I'll help you and you'll get a better grade. I want you to take that job at the grocery store. So, honey, did you get a chance to talk to your boss about getting time off for vacation? I did. He said that that was fine, so everything at work is covered. Oh, we just need to find somebody to watch our cat. Oh, um, what about having one of the neighbor kids do it? Mm-hmm. Or I thought about asking Aunt Tina to do it. Okay. Ooh, can we go skiing? God, I was offered a job at the grocery store today. I know, it sounds ridiculous, but at least with that, I can spend more time with the family like 
my wife was saying. But if I stay at corporate where I'm at, I'll have the money I need to support the family. What should I do? That job at the grocery store. Hey, honey, listen up. Because I just heard from the Lord, and since I am the head of this house and your commander-in-chief and all, <laughs> you know that grocery store job? I'm going to take it so I can spend more time with our child and with you. What? That's lower pay. I realize that, honey, but at dinner you were saying I'm not home enough to spend time with the family. No, we need that money. Oh, okay, so now it's about the money? Oh yeah, well what about that car we wanted to buy? Another car? Give me a break, woman. We haven't even finished paying for the car we got. Oh yeah, well what about the house payment? What about your child? How are you gonna support your own family? You're the one who wanted me to spend time with that no, child. No, no, don't try to put that one on me, okay? You're not taking that job. Fine, okay, forget it. Forget I said anything about the stupid job. I won't take it. You can sleep on the couch tonight. The one at the grocery store? Yeah. <laughs> but that one's lower pay, and we have this whole vacation we planned out. I know, but the more I pray about it, the more I feel ready to do it. I'm not in agreement with you. I don't think you should take that job. But you're the head of the house, and I know you can hear from God. So if that's what God told you to do, then you do it. And I'll support you. Yes, sir, I'm working on it right now. Yes, I realize you're on a deadline. No, sir, I don't want to lose your account. Listen, I'm working... Sir? Sir! <sighs> Stupid customers. What? Hello? Yeah, this is Ken. Who is this? Car payments. No, I haven't mailed my car payments. Why do you need to know what color my car is? Repossess? You can't repossess my car. Listen, I'll get you the money, all right? Just leave me alone. This day has been so horrible. Corporate would have just given me the raise, like we talked about. I can make my car payments. What's this? It's from corporate headquarters. Read it. It's not good. Probably... Probably just some stupid money-saving idea from upper management. What? How can they do this to me? Oh, I can't believe this.
you can start training tomorrow. And for your salary, I was thinking about something like this. Okay. Works a second ago. <laughs> hey Ward, do you think I can talk to you here for a minute? Yeah. You know, I've been watching your work here and you really look like you like working here. I mean, you don't complain about anything that we give you to do, and you're always on time. And I mean, look, you even stack the cans right. Nobody does that in here. And I was looking for a new manager position filled in, and I was thinking about you. Are you interested? Yeah. Well, that's great. You can start training tomorrow. And for your salary, I was thinking about something like this, maybe. How has work? How does it look to you? What's wrong? What happened? Well, first of all, I'm not getting the raise we talked about. They're laying off a bunch of people from corporate, and I may be losing my job as well. What? Well, what about the car payment? I don't know. Why don't you ask God? I'm tired of sitting in church all this time and not seeing any results. I don't understand why this is happening to us. Today. It was one of the best days yet. Really? What happened? Well, you know that new family at church? Uh-huh. Well, they came, into the they came into the store today, and they said they felt led to give me some money, and they handed me a check. Wow, praise God. I know, and that was just a start. So later, my I heard from corporate that we had the best sales in the district, and that means we're getting another bonus. Oh, that's great. And here's the best part. Um, when Mr. Pringle came in to congratulate me, he told me that they were going to send us on an all-expense-paid vacation. Wow. You know, ever since you started this job, God has blessed our lives. I mean, we paid off our car, all of our bills are paid on time, and we still have money to put into our savings account each month. 
thank God for the Holy Spirit's leading. I know. God is so good. We're going to have so much money, we're not going to know what to do with it all. I know. Can we buy a boat? Glory to God. I don't think that one needs a whole lot of explaining. I think you guys have got that. Hey, it pays to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you what, it really, really does. One scripture I had in mind for this one, I'll read it to you out of the Amplified. It says, For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh, under the control of the ordinary impulses. For as long as there is envying and jealousy and wrangling and fractions among you, you are not unspiritual and of the are you not unspiritual and of the flesh behaving yourselves after the human standard and like mere unchanged men the weymouth translation this is 1 Corinthians 3:3 3, 3. you are still unspiritual for as long as jealousy and strife continue among you, can it not be denied that you are unspiritual and are living and acting like mere men of the world? And that's what was happening in this family. Even though they were saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, the difference is, they were still acting just exactly like the people of the world and wondering why you saw them questioning at the end, we're sitting in church and you, we don't understand how come our results are not changing. Well, they can't change if you don't change. You must do what the Lord is telling you to do. It doesn't always look like the right thing to do when he tells you to take the lower paying job or when he tells you to move to some place that, that you don't want to move to. I know for Keith and I, it didn't look like the smart thing to do to leave our home and everything that we had in Tulsa and move to Branson and start a church. It looked dumb. And it looked really dumb when I was standing up here on this platform and the owner of this theater stands here and he says, he sits right there in that chair and he says, so how many people do you have in your congregation? <laughs> it felt really dumb when I had to tell him none. You can't go by what you know in your head. You can only go by what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And that is so much that way in our marriages. It doesn't look smart. Doesn't feel smart. To be the giver. And to feel like you're letting them get away with something. That you've got to stand your ground or they're going to feel like they've won. You'll feel like an idiot. But when the Holy Ghost says, let them win. Who's smarter, you or the Holy Ghost? Or God? 
It doesn't always look right when you're in the middle of a fight and you stop and say, I messed up. I'll take the dresses back and repent. But to do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do will get you out of messes. It'll save your marriage. It'll save your hide. Isaiah 1, 19 and 20, we all know it. Every person in this room could quote it. But it's still true. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You got to be willing to do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. You got to be willing to look like you lost the battle or the fight or that round. You got to be willing to give in. You got to be willing, ladies, to let him wear that plaid shirt and striped coat. You got to. No matter how you feel, no matter what it looks like. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We all know these things, but it doesn't hurt to be reminded of them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He'll direct your paths. The Amplified says, lean on Him. Trust in, be confident in the Lord. In all your heart and your mind. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, recognize and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. The new living, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. The Message Bible, trust in the Lord From the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go. He's the one who keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Now, finally, in closing, when I saw this, it excited me. In Ezekiel 39, in the New Living Testament, it says, They will accept responsibility for their past shame and unfaithfulness. And after, they'll come to live in peace in their own land with no one to bother them. So maybe you haven't been doing everything right in your marriage, or maybe you've made some mistakes in your marriage, or maybe you did like I did and was rebellious and not doing so hot. 
This can be a promise to you. Accept responsibility for the past shame and unfaithfulness. And afterward, come home and live in peace like I do now. And nobody will bother you. Let me read you some other translations of that. They shall forget their shame and self-reproach and all their treachery and unfaithfulness in which they have transgressed against me. And when they dwell securely in their land, there is no one who makes them afraid. The NIV says, they will forget their shame and all the unfaithfulness they showed toward me. And when they lived in safety in their land with no one to make them afraid. Uh, The New American Standard says, they will forget their disgrace and all their treachery which they perpetrated against me. And when they live securely on their own land with no one to make them afraid. Afraid. And the Living Bible. Their time of treachery and shame will be in the past. They will be home again in peace and safety in their own land with no one bothering them or making them afraid. I think that's a good thing. That you can put your past behind you and forget it. But you have to take responsibility for it and put it behind you. And never remember it ever again. Talk about it. Say we're going to change some things. We don't have to live this way anymore. I know myself. I put Keith through a lot of stuff. I thank God. One day I decided, like I told you last year, I came clean and I talked to him and we tore down walls that we had between us. And our life has not been the same since. We live in peace now. I can't remember a time when there's been harsh words between us. We don't come home and fuss and fight. We sport. It's a good thing. And if things can be as bad as they were then and be as good as they are now for us, hey, I can have hope for anybody. Miracles do happen. And God is no respecter of persons. If he'll do it for us, he'll do it for you. But you must own up to it and say, we must change some things so we can have this peace. Thank you. Guys, y'all all come out if you would. Let me tell you, you got some of the guys that did this stuff and give them some proper thanks. Um, where's Charles and Sandy? I could not have done this. Where are they? Y'all come out. Charles and Sandy. Y'all don't mind me doing this just a minute, do you? Charles and Sandy. Charles wrote. After the guys kind of ad-libbed, Charles wrote all of these skits for us in a a day's time. Sandy's back there somewhere. Where's Sandy? And she's his other half, and she did a big portion of the writing, too. Come on out here and help coordinate and dress everybody, and they did. And then Kevin Snavely, where are you? 
I think Kevin built the car and did all the props, and he was their right-hand man and worked on everything night and day. Guys, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I know a lot of the other people did a lot of stuff. All the rest of you guys come out. Uh, Eric was um, one of the team leaders. He's the one that did uh, secret spending. You and your crew come out. Eric Richards, he's in children's tonight, so he can't come out. Patty's in children's. So the secret spending crew, y'all come out. The no leader, uh, this, this is Thomas and Jeremy, the no leader, uh, no submission crew, y'all come out. That's Patty Herbert, she's in children, so that would be Taylor and Sarah and Jocelyn and Jeremy. All y'all guys come out. Tori. They did an excellent job. Jocelyn, Jazz. Come on, Joss. All right. And then um, Handling Children. Cassie Herbert, where are you? Cassie was over this crew. Cassie's here. This is Jackie Parker, Andrew Henry, Amanda Baggins-Stoss, and John Michael Gentry. And then The Affair. Uh, Susan Snavely, you come on out. She was their leader. This is, we've got Adam and Brittany. Yeah, that's Adam and Brittany and Anna and CJ. And... Uh, who else is, see, and, uh, I, whoa, 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 I just went blank on all these names up here. Uh, I'm missing one of y'all's names on here. Huh? Anna left. Okay. All right. So I'm still missing one of y'all's names on here, though. Brandy's. Okay. All right. Yeah, Brandy's. All right. Good deal. All right. Where's Susan? Oh, there's Susan. She came over there with Kevin. You Okay, then the job offer. Uh, Sandy Black, she's already up here. We got Matt and Lauren and Adam and, and Anna's not here and Micah and Emily and Eli and Jake. Okay, so this is... Oh, we got David over here too. Where did you come from? Oh yeah, we got this car crew and Sarah and all these guys over here too. So I think we got everybody up here. Y'all come on out if y'all were part of it. We missing part of the crew here. So Taylor and Sarah and yeah, the Holy Spirit crew. Yeah, Nathan. Can't forget the Holy Spirit. Thank you guys. They worked night and day the last week putting this together. Oh, hello. Amen. Everybody did a fine job, didn't they? I'm telling you guys, outstanding. Outstanding. Thank y'all. Y'all can be seated. Oh, just, just remain standing in the crowd, if you would. Just remain standing. Uh, number of things spoken and uh, brought to light tonight and the Spirit of God putting His uh, finger on things, not just uh, in the white suit, but uh, in, 
in the crowd, right? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so many things. The, the Lord is not interested in embarrassing anybody, making anybody look bad. Aren't you glad he doesn't hang your dirty laundry out for the public to see? He's not interested in that at all. But he, he does know everything that happens at home, doesn't he? He knows everything, every word you said, everything that's done. And so uh, let's just uh, pray before him tonight. And uh, if, if there were some mistakes made, like Phyllis has already said, there's no reason to leave here with any condemnation when the blood of the Lamb can wash clean. Can you say amen? And there's no reason to go back. You know, there are people sometimes they dread going home because things are not right. Well, they can be changed now. And you don't have to go back into a tense, uncomfortable situation. We believe in God who works miracles. This is not just talk. Real change right now. And we've got people watching us by Internet as well. So let's all pray right now. Say it out loud. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we receive the anointing that destroys yokes and removes burdens. We receive the power of the blood to wash away sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for healing and power and cleansing we believe we receive it right now in Jesus' name. Oh, just begin to lift up your hands and praise Him. Let's believe Him for working in people's hearts and minds and lives right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, just lift up your hands and thank Him. Let's thank Him by faith for better relationships tonight and tomorrow. Lord, we thank You by faith for whole homes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's believe him to work in people's marriages that are not even in this room, people that are in different, on different continents that are joined with us. Lord, we believe your spirit to manifest in houses, bedrooms, places right now. Let your spirit be manifest. Thank you, Lord. Let your love be manifested. Show everyone that there is hope, there is help, there is change going on right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Close your eyes if you would and just continue to praise the Lord. Just bask in His presence a little while right now. He can do things in people's hearts. He can do things in people's minds and souls that nobody else could do, that they think they couldn't do their self, but just everybody say, I believe I receive. Say it again, I believe I receive. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.